It's a good thing you're not at the last Mass I had because at the Mass at 4 p.m., the priest comes in, processes in with Jesus, and I literally forgot Jesus. So that wasn't good. So there's your homily. Don't forget Jesus. I don't really have a cute homily for you. All I really have is my own witness. Because I think we just need to know in our world today, is is Jesus real or not? Is he real or not? Because I think if we look at our second reading today from St. Paul to Titus, he just says, Beloved, the grace of God has appeared, saving all. And that grace trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live temperately, justly, and devoutly in this age as we await the blessed hope. But if we look around our world, and maybe even at ourselves sometimes, it seems that we're not rejecting godless ways. It seems that we're not rejecting worldly desires and even worldly pursuits, and we don't really live temperately or justly or even devoutly. So I just want to tell you how God has worked in my own life, and maybe it'll give you some hope to know that he's real. So I come from Sheboygan, and I'm the youngest of four, and in my family we lived, I would say, a religious life, but it was kind of maybe Sundays only, and we'd do meal prayer, but there wasn't much more depth other than that. Sometimes when we, we would go on a road trip, we'd always say, God bless our trip. That was kind of it. But growing up being the youngest of four, I got picked on a lot, being the youngest, but then it kind of made me into a little bit of a bully at school. I wasn't the kindest kid. I was a a very wounded kid when I look back at my own life. But one thing I always liked to do is I loved to play sports. That was kind of my thing. And then as I got older, I kind of did what the world trained me to do is just look for girls. Where are the girls? Where are the girls? And sports and girls. And then before I knew it, I was confirmed and I really didn't know much about the faith. And during my freshman year in college, I was, I was good enough to play college baseball. And I, I love baseball, and I still play on Sunday. Some of you see me play. It's not very pretty anymore. But I still play, and I still love the game. But that's what I was known for. That's kind of all I knew was baseball. And during my freshman year, I also worked at a fitness center. That's why I love working out. I worked at a fitness center at college. And then also, I worked at the store Old Navy. And... My brother called me on Super Bowl Sunday of my freshman year, and he called me and he said, Zach, do you still work at Old Navy? And I said, yeah, I do. And he asked me a question. And he asked me, do they still make, or does Old Navy make any congratulations? You are going to be an uncle t-shirts. So I started going through the store in my mind. And with our crazy world today, you know where I went. I went to the women's section. And I said, no, dude, I don't, I don't think they make any of those t-shirts there. Takes a deep breath. Let me ask you one more time. Does Old Navy make any congratulations? You are going to be an uncle t-shirts, which I responded with. Dude, I just told you the first time, I don't know if they do or not. But I, I can go down to the store and talk to the manager, but I've never seen one of these t-shirts there before. So then he's like, okay, let's try this a third time. Listen closely. Does Old Navy make any you, Zachary, Andrew, Weber, 
are going to be in Uncle T-shirts. And I said, dude, I just told you two times. I will go to headquarters and find out. Maybe we can figure out if they can print it for us. I don't know if they do that stuff for employees, but I'll find out. Why do you keep asking me this question? I've never seen these T-shirts around before. You're crazy. So he said, do you remember two years ago, this is him talking, when Jen and I got married? And I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, well, then after we got married, we moved in together. And then we've been trying to have a baby, and we've conceived. And in nine months, we're going to have a child. We don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. And then they're gonna, we're going to call you Uncle Zach. So we just called to tell you congratulations, which I responded with, well, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> so the question begs to be asked, a lot of people ask me after that is, well, how in the world did you feel called or hear God call you to be a priest? Well, here we go. So gets to my sophomore year, and my niece Madeline Grace is born and have this inkling of, wow, life might not be all about me. You know, our culture is so inundated with, what does it have to do with me? Why do I have to do this? What about me? And as I was holding her, I just remember just thinking, like, wow, this is, this is really, really, really amazing. And I was very moved by that moment. Then later that year, my brother called me again, and this time I was listening. He spoke a little more straightforward, and he just said, Zach, I've been listening to this Catholic radio station called Relevant Radio. And this is 2007, so you can see where I'm at here. So it's 2007, my sophomore year of college, and he said, they're having a conference called the Men of Christ Conference that they're advertising on Relevant Radio, and would you like to go? And I was kind of thinking, yeah, sure. Like, okay, whatever, no big deal, I'll go to that. Because my idea of God was kind of like Barney. Like, he just didn't really affect me at all. He was kind of out there. He wasn't near to me. Um, God, God was kind of like a balloon. You know, just kind of this abstract thought. Like, I knew there was a God, but it didn't really go too much deeper than that. And we went to the conference, and 3,000 men showed up. And the master of ceremonies, who was standing right about where I am, with 3,000 men in front of him, the first thing he said to us, he said, Gentlemen, after today, your lives will never be the same. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty intense. And then he said it again. He said, gentlemen, after today, your lives will never be the same. And I'm like, okay, you've got my attention. The first man who came out and spoke to us, his name is Jesse Romero. And if you've ever heard him speak before, that dude is on fire. And I never heard anybody speak like that. And I was like, whoa, like, where has this been my whole life? I didn't know Christians could talk like that. I thought most Christians were kind of like me, just like a zombie, kind of walking around and going to church every once in a while on a Sunday. And then the next person who came out and spoke, who was introduced, it was something I'd never seen before. It was a priest, and he had brown hair. I'd never seen a priest who had brown hair. I thought priests were always old. I thought they had to be bald and had white hair. I thought they were like 65 and their wife died, and then they just like, yeah, I'll go to be a priest, whatever, no big deal. I didn't know much. So I, as, and as he's speaking, he's challenge, challenging us to be men. But he's speaking to, to a hole in my heart, but also a desire in my heart to be the man I want to be. And he is just totally flipping my idea and the world's idea of what it means to be a man. He's flipping it. And I begin to see to what it means to be a man is to be the crucified Christ, 
to lay your lives, life down for others. And as he's speaking, he says this. He says, if you want to be a man of God, and I'm like, if that, yeah, like that, if that's what a man of God is, I do want to be that. And then he, and, and what he had is what I wanted. He had joy, I had none. He had zeal, I had none. He had peace and humor, and I had none. And he said, if you want to be a man of God, go to confession and surrender your life to, to Christ today and stop playing games. And I was like, that's it? That's all I got to do? Because that's like a pretty sweet deal if you think about it with how screwed up my life was. If you, I'm giving you the PG version, of course. But I did go to confession. And I poured it all out. But the first thing I said was, I am here to surrender my life to Christ. And sin after sin after sin after sin. And just feeling that weight lift off my shoulders. And then it was one more speaker and then we had mass. But the speaker before that was another priest. And he talked about how he was clinically dead for three hours. And the Lord brought him back to life. And I'm a little bit peeved. I'm a little bit angry because I'm wondering, how come I never heard these stories before? How come my idea of God is Barney and this God is bringing these people back to life? Like, this is, this is intense. And then it came time for Mass. And, you know, I, I didn't know much about the, about the faith. I was very, very into myself going through faith formation. I don't think I learned much of anything. That's all on me. And I came to Mass. I know it, wasn't the, it wasn't the music. It wasn't the readings. It's what we do every single Mass that changed my life. And the Archbishop was behind the altar. Bread and wine right in front of him. There's 3,000 of us on our knees. Like we do every single Mass. And as he's calling down the Holy Spirit upon the bread and the wine, I feel the room change. And I feel this presence around me. But in my head, I'm thinking, this is not real. I'm concocting this. I'm making this up. This is all a joke. I'm, I'm just making this up. This is not real. I don't know if it was like the Blessed Mother around me or my guardian angel, but I felt something, and it was tangible. And then he took the bread in his hands, and he spoke the words of institution into that bread, and he said, this is my body, which will be given up for you. And I knew that what was in his hands for the first time in my life was Jesus. And he held him up and he offered him to the Father. And every single dam in my life, all the hardness, all the darkness, all the deafness, all the pride, he just shattered it all at once. And I never felt more loved in my life. Because I couldn't believe God would do that for me. And then I heard a voice in my heart, not an external voice, but in my heart, I heard God speak to me. And he said, this is the purpose of life, the Eucharist. And you are called to be a priest. And deep down, I knew it was real because I always had an emptiness in my life. There was a void. There was something that I was always looking for God in others, but not God in God. And it scared me because now God is real. Now I know he's, he's, he's present in the Eucharist, that he forgave my sins. That means I have to change. 
I have to start rejecting these godless ways, like we heard Titus say. I have to start rejecting these worldly desires and learn how to live temperately and justly and devoutly. But here's the thing. I didn't want to. I was a lot like St. Augustine. He had a prayer where St. Augustine said, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. And I ran from the call, and I got into a lot of negative things. Again, this is the PG version. I got into a lot of negative things. You can use your imagination. And the Lord loved me so much, he let me feel the emptiness of my sin. And eventually, during my junior year of college, I, I just had to tell somebody I was thinking about being a priest. So I called my brother, and he's excited. He's like, dude, I was praying for more people to be priests. This is great. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. I am so scared. I don't know anything, but I hear his voice. And I know he's present in that little white host, and I don't get it. And then the next week, the devil started coming after me once I started opening my heart to the call. For the next two years, I would find myself in the hospital with collapsed lungs. After seven surgeries, eventually what they did is they clipped the top, right third of, on the top third of my right lung off. And they glued my lung to my chest cavity. But I was so prideful, I was so prideful, I think the Lord needed me to be on a hospital bed to surrender my life to him completely and to get off the fence, which I think is where a lot of people are at with their faith. And one night, as I was in the hospital, the doctor had, what they do is they put a chest tube through your ribs and it allows your lung to reinflate. But this particular time, they pushed it in too far and it was, pu- it was pushing through my pectoral muscle, my right pectoral muscle, which is like really painful. And I, I thought I was gonna die. I'm like, this is insane. So I wrote my deathbed letter to my family, and I jumped off the fence. About a year later, I finished college, and I applied to seminary, and the first time I applied to seminary, I was not accepted, which is very difficult, but I still felt he was calling me. And I can honestly say that seminary was exactly what my soul needed, because what this world was doing to me, it was giving me spiritual cancer. I literally needed chemotherapy for my soul because this world screwed me up so much. What it was offering me, all this godlessness. And seminary healed so much that is broken in me. And if God can call me to be his priest, and I love being a priest, I wouldn't trade the priesthood for anything. I would lay my life down for the priesthood any day. But if God can call me to be a priest... There's hope for all of us. In our gospel today, Jesus is born into a mess. He, was, he came into my mess. And I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what the lives around you look like. But this is, this is a message of hope. Jesus is born into a cave where there is literally crap everywhere. And he wants to come into our mess and clean it up. Because that's what he did with my life. He cleaned up my mess. He healed my brokenness. And only God could do that. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And the people that came to visit Jesus first were the shepherds. The poorest of the poor knew when a lamb would be born. 
and Jesus is the Lamb of God. And now I'm one of his shepherds. And I don't deserve it. But nonetheless, he called me. And just as he said to the, to the shepherds, he says to all of us today, do not be afraid. To let him completely into your soul. To let him completely into your life. To let him come into your mess and let him clean it up. So we can let him be Lord. So we can let him be God. So we can let him love us in our brokenness. The question I have for a lot of us here today is if you don't change today, if you don't let Jesus change you, God becoming a person in Jesus, if you don't let him change you today, what will your life look like in five years? If you don't change today, what will your life look like in five years? And the beauty of the Christmas message is there's no mess that he can't clean up. There's no darkness he can't shine light into. There's no wound he can't heal. There's no suffering he can't redeem. But you and I have to let him in. He needs our permission. The last Mass I had, I almost forgot Jesus. I think that's just the message. Are you going to leave Jesus here, or are you going to bring him with you into everything you do the rest of your life, or not? Because I can honestly say by my own witness, he's the only way that we can reject godlessness. He's the only way we can reject the desires of this world. He's the only way we can live temperately, justly, and devoutly. He's the only hope we have. And you're going to come down that aisle in just a little bit and receive him. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. That he comes to us in our brokenness, in our mess, and he redeems it. So just as St. Paul said to Titus, he gave himself to deliver us, deliver us from all lawlessness, to cleanse for himself a people as his own who are eager to do what is good. And the best thing you and I could do, the, the best thing we do, what is the best thing, the good thing to do, is just to let him in and invite him in. But he loves you so much, he gives you free will, you can do whatever you want. By my witness of my own priesthood, by God's calling me, I would just encourage you to let him in. And be not afraid. Because he loves cleaning up messes. He's not afraid of our messes. He's not ashamed of our messes. But if we don't change now, what will our, life, our lives look like in five years? Be not afraid to make changes today. And may Almighty God bless you this Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.